بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده و نسلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمدللہ tonight is the 23rd of September in the year 2023 and alhamdulillah we began the subsection last night in which we are now taking a glimpse into the glorious deed of dhikr so Hafiz ibn Qayyim rahmatullah he had gone on to elucidate an enlightening reality so he said zikr is better or more virtuous than dua how for zikr contains the words that praise allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by way of his beautiful attributes his favors and his beautiful names where these dua of the servant contains words asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his needs. Thus, this can in no way compare to his remembrance. In a narration it mentions, Whosoever is preoccupied by my dhikr from making dua to me, then I will give him better than I give to those who ask. Subhanallah. So this narration is recorded in Bukhari in his Khalq Af'al Al-Ibad number 544 Behaqi in his Shu'ab Al-Iman 1-413 Ibn Hiban 1-376 However it is a weakness as mentioned by Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah in Ad-Da'ifa number 4989 And the quote is from Hafiz Ibn Qayyim in his Al-Wabil Al-Sayyib So let's look at this so why did the great Hafiz ibn Qayyim rahmatullahi say that zikr is better than dua? So it's a very bold statement to make because dua is the essence of worship, the Prophet said, the born marrow of worship in Abu Dawood authentic. He then said because zikr is praise. Zikr is praise. Dua is you asking for your needs to be fulfilled. So how can you compare praise with your needs? And then he mentions the hadith which has weakness. Whoever is preoccupied by my dhikr from making dua to me, I will give him better than I give to those who ask. So the hadith indicates that. So you get one person making a dua, let's say 10-15 minutes, a long prolonged dua. Another person doing dhikr according to this hadith, the one doing dhikr gets more than the one who asks. Why? Because dhikr is more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One should really not find this surprising because Abdullah ibn Abi al-Hudayl rahmatullah he said, Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he loves to be remembered in the marketplace and he loves to be remembered in every situation except when one relieves himself. This is in Abu Naim al-Hiliya 4-359 Hafiz ibn Qayyim in his Al-Wabil al-Sayyib page 185 of the New English Translation So one of the Sadaf he said that Allah Ta'ala loves it when you remember him even in the marketplace which is the den of iniquity Every condition he loves it except when you go for the call of nature because that's not appropriate now and that's why Abu Bakr 
Siddiq radiallahu would put a rock into his mouth when he went for the call of nature to stop himself from dhikr because he was so accustomed to doing dhikr. Hafiz ibn Qayyim rahmatullahi had also gotten to clarify with regards to the priceless blessing on relieving oneself. Remembering his favors upon him, his excellence towards him and removing the harmful from his body for had it remained it would have killed him. Hence the favor in facilitating its exiting the body is as much beneficial as his nourishment to the body. <laughs> it is related that after relieving himself, Sayyidina Ali ibn Abu Talib would pass his hands over his stomach and he would say, what a blessing this is, if only people knew its worth. This is in Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman 4-113. And some of the Sadaf Rahibahumullah used to say, all praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who let us taste its sweetness, kept it beneficial within us, and then removed any of its harm. This is in Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf 1-1-2. And the whole quote is Hafiz Ibn Qayyim in his Al-Wabil Al-Sayyib, page 185-6 of the New English Translation. So the great Hafiz Ibn Qayyim said that look at the blessing of even when you go for the call of nature. If it had remained, you would die. So think about that. It's not like you get ill, you would die. So the fact that Allah has given you this blessing is actually sustaining your life. And then he said, the favor in facilitating its exiting the body is as much beneficial as the nourishment to the body. Think about that. So when you eat food, the blessing that your body takes from the nutrients, without that you die. But similarly, the body then deals with the waste. It's just as important. And this is why Ali, after he would go for the call of nature, he was reflecting upon that. And he would pass his blessed hands over his stomach and say, what a blessing. But if only the people knew his worth. Because people don't know his worth. So he would you know, do this out of shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Sadaf would say, Alhamdulillah, who let us taste the sweetness of the food kept it beneficial, I took the nutrient and then removed any of its harm. So each of those are priceless. Why? Imagine if you ate and it was blood. You know how boring would that be? Imagine you're eating and you're thinking you've got to eat to survive and you're just eating and it's just boring. And at the last giving you taste buds. You know, sweet, sour, this, that, the other. We don't even appreciate that. Because all praise is for Allah who let us taste its sweetness. Then, taking the nutrients got nothing to do with this. Our body, Allah has created it in a way that it will automatically take the nutrients from the food. Another priceless blessing. And then, automatically again, nothing to do with this. The harm is removed. Because all praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's actually a dua. Where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Alhamdulillah, illadhi at'ama wa saqa wa sawwahu wa ja'ala lahu makhraja. Authentic hadith in Abu Dawud. All praises for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who gave us to eat and to drink, who provided us with food and drink, made it easy to digest and provided for it an exit. Look at these beautiful du'as that nobody's bothering learning. What better way to thank Allah ta'ala? All praises for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who, um, who provided us with food and drink, <coughs> made it easy to digest 
and provided for it an exit. <laughs> right? So, and this is again, and there's actually a virtue of this dua which I can't remember. So note, all of this is showing the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we should do shukr. Another thing which people query here, when you go for the call of nature, you can't remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can't do dhikr with your mouth. If somebody gives you salam, you can't return the salam. There's so many uh, commands. But why is it that when we when we leave the place where we've gone for the call of nature, we say, Ghufranak, forgive me. What sin have you committed? So it forces you to think, you know, I've gone to the toilet or the privy. I've done the business. When I'm leaving the toilet, I'm asking forgiveness. Ghufranak. So there's two meanings here. Ghufranak means shukrak, according to some of the salaf. So even though you're literally saying forgive me, it, it means thank you. Shukr. Ghufranak means shukrak. So they take away the literal meaning. Another meaning the salaf give is that you're asking forgiveness because you were not remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's actually a subtle point here. It means that you should always be remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But because now you're in a situation where you're forced not to remember him, you're asking forgiveness for that. And it's actually a longer part of that dua. Ghufranaka alhamdulillahi alladhi adhaba annil adha wa afani. That's daif. Ghufranaka is authentic. But whatever the case, it's a virtue and there's no harm in uttering those words as well. Indeed, dhikr is the food of the very soul. And what's interesting, if music is the food of the soul, play on, you know, Shakespeare or somebody said this. What a load of rubbish. <laughs> right? Vikr is the food of the soul. How do we know that? In Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman, 1-396, Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah stated Sahih in his Da'if al-Targheeb, number 1495. Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu he relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wasallam everything has a siqala a polish and the polish of the heart is the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indeed there is nothing that saves one from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more than the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the companions asked in surprise not even jihad ya rasulullah in the path of Allah he answered, not even if he is struck with his sword until it broke, I, due to the ferocity and bravery of his engaging the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let's look at this. So is this hadith authentic? Yes. It's recorded in Behaki and Shaykh al-Bani, he graded it sahih, but not in his sahih. In his da'if al-tarheeb. So he wrote other books in which he mentioned, he compiled weak hadiths. Da'if al-Jamid, Da'if al-Targheeb. So in that work, he said this is a Sayyid Hadith. So this is certainly worth pointing out. He also mentions authentic reports occasionally in the collections of weak compilations he's got. So what does it say? The Prophet first said, وسلم, everything has a siqala, a polish. And what's the polish of the heart? Dhikr. So does it mean that you know, shoe polish. No, obviously it doesn't mean this. It means that there's a rust that comes over the heart, a veil that takes you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Dhikr takes away that rust. Then he said something, and this shocked the sahab, if you think about it. It is a shocking statement. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, 
that saves you from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more than dhikr. So the Sahaba, they, they thought, not even jihad. Surely jihad, ya Rasulullah, somebody is giving his life, fighting, blood, sweat and tears, maybe even gets martyred. The Prophet sallallahu look how graphic he put it. Not even if he struck with his sword until it broke. Not even if he struck with his sword until it broke. Now how do you break your sword? On the enemies. Somebody goes, surely he has saved himself more from the punishment of Allah than the one who just sits and does zikr. No. The one doing zikr has saved himself more from the punishment. So think about that. Will we ever truly value dhikr? That's why the Sahaba asked that question. Imagine if you're one of us on the battlefield and you think bullets are flying over your heads, people are getting martyred left, right and center, people are getting, you know, shot and somebody says to you, surely he's, he's, you know, he's saving himself from the punishment. No, the one doing dhikr is saving himself more from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet was highlighting, don't, Look at the ease of this deed. The ease is easy, alhamdulillah, by the grace, but look at what the impact it has. Confirming further, Mu'ad ibn Jabal, he relates that our beloved messenger said, وسلم, no human does an action that will save him more from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than the dhikr of Allah, the mighty and majestic. This is in Tirmidhi, number 3377. Ahmed in his Musnad, Tabarani, number 1872. Hakim in his Mustadrak, 1 394. Sahih. Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al Musannaf, number 29452. And Shaykh Al Bani, Rahmatullah, stated Sahih in Sahih Al Jami, number 5644. So, note this is a Sahih hadith. It absolutely confirms the previous report. In fact, it's word for word. No human does a deed that will save him more from the punishment of the Lord than dhikr. So note, it protects you from punishment. Now think about that. When you are doing dhikr, do you even reflect upon that? People only focus upon the rewards. This is how limited their understanding is. What's the reward? What's the reward? Which person says, SubhanAllah brother, you're very, very clever. Why? Because you've saved yourself the quickest way from Allah Ta'ala's wrath. When has anybody approached and told you that? And you think, well, I'm thinking about the rewards. Well, mashallah, that's one aspect. But look, you don't know if Allah is angry with this. He might be, you know, on the, on the, he, he might be, uh, you know, to strike. He might be ready to punish us. And what saved you? Zikr. Without you even knowing. Hafiz ibn Kayyib, he clarified. The heart grows rusty due to two things. Heedlessness and sins. It is thus cleansed by two things. Seeking forgiveness and dhikr of Allah. Subhanallah. This is recorded by Hafiz ibn Qayyim rahmatullahi in his Al-Wabil As-Sayyib, page 111 of the New English Translation. But think about it. This is a master of the heart. You need to turn to the experts. He said, the heart grows rusty. Only two things causes the heart to be veiled from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One is heedlessness. You know, ghafil. You're just like wasting your life doing, you know, useless, not sinful, just distracting, you know, fazul, we call it fazul. Because that will veil your heart from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course the other is sins. But then look how beautiful. He goes, two things take away both those things. Istighfar and dhikr take away those things. 
So now what's interesting, istighfar is zikr. If you say, is astaghfirullah zikr, yes it is. But why did Ibn Qayyim separate it? Because that is a special place. Istighfar is a very special zikr. So this is why istighfar and zikr is, is priceless, because it's purifying your heart. Sheikh Abdul Rahim Limbada, in his commentary of Qasid Burda, page 52 of the English translation, he further clarified when commenting upon the 17th verse. So what's this? So Qasid Burda is a very famous Qasid in praise of the Prophet. And a person received the Burda as a gift. So it's called, it's affectionately called Qasid Burda. The 17th verse of that famous Qasida says this. فَلَا تَرُمْ بِالْمَعَاسِ كَسْرَ شَحْوَتِهَا إِنَّ الطَّعَامَ يَقُوِّ شَحْوَةَ النَّحِمِ Do not attempt to break its appetite through wanton indulgence. Notice how food only strengthens a glutton's craving. So this is a very deep verse. So I have to stop. So what did the, what does the verse say? What's it talking about? Do not attempt to break its appetite through indulgence. Notice how food strengthens a glutton's craving. So when a person's you know just likes to eat, what's the worst thing he can do? Is eat. That's not helping you. Sheikh Abdul Rahim Limbada, he commented upon this 17th verse. He said, Sins are food for the nafs, desires and inclinations, which only craves its own comfort, pleasure and satisfaction. Food for the ruh, the soul, is worship and obedience. So again, stop. What's he saying? Your nafs will destroy you, the Quran says. His natural inclination is to destroy you. Is it wise to feed it? No. Because if something is destroying you, you don't want to feed it. What is the food for the nafs? Sins. And what does the nafs crave? Comfort, pleasure, satisfaction. Then he said, the food for the ruh, that's the righteous part, element of you, the angelic part, is worship and obedience. Is it wise to feed the ruh? Yes, because this is the part you need to strengthen. What is the food of the soul? Worship and obedience. Then the Sheikh said, hence, music and song is food for your nafs. While zikr and tilawat of the Quran are food for the ruh. Those, those who wish for true inner peace and contentment, yet chase after it in art, music, disobedience. They are looking for a cure and medicine in the wrong place. This is like the one who attempts to heal his injured right knee by bandaging his left. <laughs> And this is it. So you get people, why is he depressed? He's a millionaire. Because he doesn't even know he's feeding his nafs. He doesn't even know what the nafs is. And he's feeding it. Why is this Muslim depressed? That's an interesting question. 
he should know but guess what he doesn't know <laughs> no bother learning he's doing the same as the kufar he's also depressed with the sahaba ever depressed with the tabi never depressed and people say this is a spiritual ailment and it's true it is a spiritual ailment but that's just a statement okay brother i'm ill i get depressed what's causing it you're stuffing your nafs because how do i stuff my nafs you your nafs food is what your nafs food is sins and following you know heedlessness the food for the soul is what gives you peace what is the food for the ruh obedience in particular the quran and dhikr so now be honest are muslims listening to the quran are muslims doing dhikr no they get satisfaction in the opposite so what are they feeding they're feeding their nafs the nafs naturally will destroy you and you're making it into a monster what is going to take you to paradise and make you feel like an insane is decrepit it would have died if it was a human being you're not feeding it and look how beautiful the example the sheikh gave this is like the one who attempts to heal his injured right knee by bandaging his left imagine you go to a doctor and you go doctor look my right knee is giving me some severe agony some severe pain because i've got the medicine fear and he he applies it he applies it to the left knee you think what sort of a doctor are you that is the stupidity of the one who tries to find peace through sin drugs zina this that and what happens how do you feel after that you feel it straight away you think you fed the nafs you feel horrible but when you actually do ibadat what's interesting is this is very interesting the scholars point these things out when you're feeding the nafs it's like dopamine you actually get pleasure the instant you know high but then you get the crash because you fed the nafs when you're feeding the ruh that's tough it's like a, it's a struggle it's like going up a mountain you don't want to do it this is what this is oh I see I can't be doing this but then what happens it's like healthy nutrition it eventually creeps into you so after a while maybe an hour two hours later you start feeling good the people want an instant fix you got the fix but you're going to get the crash just like sugar no you want healthy nutrition so not the subject of zikr actually is a very deep subject people just focus upon reward you think and anger is far more to it than that and the scholars are pointing these things out and this is why to finish abdullah ibn abbas what did he say the shaitan remains on the heart of the son of adam alayhi salatu wasalam when a man forgets or is heedless dus shaitan continues whispering to him until he remembers allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then shaitan retreats this is in ibn abi shayba in his al musannaf number 34774 tabari in his tafsir 30-355 and shaykh al bani rahmatullah alayhi stated hasan in his checking of zilal 1-933 so this is the ghayb shaitan is perched on your heart one report says he's got a trunk that goes to the left shoulder down to your heart he starts causing problems for you when you are ghafil you're not even sinning just wasting you're doing fazul if you're doing fazul shaitan's now pumping things into you what's the thing is in the pumping 
doubts isn't it may you ill shaitan continues whispering ibn abbas says until he does dhikr and he immediately stops so now what was the great this is an authentic report what was the great ibn abbas highlighting he was highlighting that shaitan can only get to you due to your lack of dhikr the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he did dhikr 24/7 so did shaitan have access to him no he slept and he was doing dhikr my eyes sleep but my heart doesn't bukhari muslim hadith shaitan had no access to him literally but if a person is sinning he has the greatest access mm. so not again and also what's interesting worship <laughs> you know this is fascinating i find it fascinating if a person starts worshiping he finds it tough mm. but what eventually happens if he keeps on persisting with his worship his countenance changes <laughs> you'll see it <laughs> and what do i mean by that there's a kind of a glow you see a glow on their face Then you flip the coin. A person persists in sinning. He's having the dopamine effect. Then what happens? Darkness. You see darkness. Literally, you think, "What? This guy looks like this. What's wrong with him? The lights have been switched off." And that's the impact of the of the nafs being fed like a monster, and the soul withering. In fact, Umar radiyallahu, the report mentions about him that his nafs was so weak that it was a mile away from him. Oh, right uh, or the karim the one that helps the nafs <laughs> meaning what can he do somebody's like um, if your enemy is a mile away what harm can he cause you you can't even hear his voice <laughs> how did umar cripple the karim <laughs> obedience <laughs> but if you are not sorting this thing out and zikr not the critical nature of zikr zikr is critical for this and it's so easy allah allah put no restraints on it Just get into a habit of continuously doing dhikr, and Shaitan will weaken. You notice that, and also Allah Taala will give you contentment and peace, not just the rewards that people are always striving to acquire. So all I mentioned again today was the, some of the unending blessings of the glorious dhikr of Almighty Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Are there any questions you like to ask? سبحان الله بحمد الله سبحانه اللهم وبحمدك لا اله الا الله استغفرك واتوب اليك بالله من شرور الجنس من ربك انك العزيز الحكيم والسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والاصل الانسان في خصم الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات واصبحوا حق واصبحوا صادقين